Hello, and thank you for connecting with us here at Oasis Online. If this ministry is an encouragement to you, I would love to hear from you. Would you send me an email at pastor at obclv.org? I hope you enjoy the service today and that God would speak directly to your heart. We are getting into a new series that's entitled Follow the Leader. And what this, what really is kind of how God has really orchestrated all these things, we just came out of a series entitled uh, Don't Duck Your Destiny, where we talked about destiny and purpose and, and the things of where we're headed and where our life is, and, and we did that. Some of that was just our purpose on earth, and we talked a little bit about that, and we talked also about, in the last uh, couple of those, we talked about more of an eternal destiny, and we talked about heaven and hell and some of those things, and And then we went in from that right into last week where we celebrated 52 years of ministry at Oasis and and, uh, Oasis having been in Las Vegas for 52 years. And today we're getting into really some of the, I guess you could call it the nitty gritty, the hands and feet of kind of what Oasis is, follow the leader. And that leader is not me, I'm not asking you to follow me, and I'm talking about Christ in the next few weeks. We're going to look at characteristics, we're going to look at attributes of who Christ is and and, and just answer some questions. If you uh, follow me on Facebook, I posted something at the beginning of the week and I asked you to, to, to name five different character traits or five attributes of who Christ is to you. And a number of you um, did that and I thank you for that. But uh, really it's going to all kind of tie into what we're talking about over the next few weeks as to we look at Christ and why it is that we follow anybody, but, but why do we follow Christ? And and as we look at this over the next couple of weeks, there's a number of things that the one question that kind of came to me as I started really preparing and studying for this, follow the leader is, why do I follow a leader? Why do we follow people? Why do we follow anybody or anything or whatever, however you want to look at that? But why do I follow? All of us follow somebody for something. Some of you go to work every day and you have to follow a manager or a boss whether you like them or you don't like them. You're just stuck. That's who you have to follow in line with. Some of you are the boss and people follow you because they have to. But we all follow different things. Some of you follow, we we follow sports teams because of an area that you grew up. You follow people for different reasons. And so as we look at this idea of why do we follow, follow the leader. Why do we do that? What is it about somebody that makes us even have a desire to to follow after that person? To listen to what they have to say, to do the things that they've encouraged us to do or whatever that would be. And so as we go through this series over the next few weeks, I want to look at a number of things that really pertain to who Christ is and why we follow after or would worship after Christ or God. Because all of us, like I said, we follow different people or we don't follow different people because of certain things that they do or that they don't do. As I was studying and as I really started to put thought to this whole sermon series and the whys of which we follow Christ and really who is Christ and thinking of this, my mind just started rattling through a number of different things and then I was following all of the different posts that you guys posted after the, or some of you posted after the the thing on Facebook and again it just kind of keeps going through and I'm thinking of all of the things and where I'm going to go with this series and what's going on and I start thinking of attributes of who Christ is. Many of you put things of omniscience and omnipresent, we we put things of his sovereignty, we put things of his goodness, his love, his mercy, his his peace, his his comfort, his joy. There were so many different things that were put on there. And I'm starting to think, okay, how do I narrow these things down to five things of why I would follow Christ? And then I start thinking, okay, well, what are five things that I could be that I would follow Christ, that I could implement into my own life. Things of the fruits of the Spirit. Obviously, I cannot implement sovereignty into myself or omniscience or any of those things. I am not all-knowing. I'm not all-powerful. I'm not all of those things. So I'm trying to think, okay, those are attributes of God, but I 
I just don't have that. You guys are a rough crowd this morning. Can I say that? This is a rough crowd. Is it because you're too cold or are you too hot now? But I can't be those things, neither can you. But as I was going through and I started to think through and go through all of these different things, there was a number of things that just jumped out at me and, and really grasped a hold of me. And one of the thoughts was this. We all attain to be more and more like Christ, or we should be attaining to be more and more like Christ. In my everyday life, my goal should be to be more like Christ. In everything that I do. And so with that, we look at things like the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, and we go through all of those and we think, man, if I can have just a little bit of all of those character traits in me and genuinely just give that out, that would be awesome. And I started to think of this. We make Christ, we try so hard to make Christ like one of us in some regards so many times. And we would say a statement like Christ has a characteristic or a character trait of love. Christ doesn't have a character trait of love. Christ is love. He doesn't have a character trait of peace or joy or comfort or any of those things. He is those things. We can't even begin to fathom or put together in our minds all of that. We try to be, if I could just get a little bit of patience in me, I would be okay. I would be a much better father and husband if my patient level was a little bit higher. And Christ is patience. It's not he has some patience, he is patience. And so as we go through this thought, or we go through this series in the next few weeks, and I'm, I've just been rasp, grasping and, and kind of pulling as much as I can pull together to really think, what are some things that, why do I follow Christ? And I pray over the next few weeks that a lot of these things will come together, will encourage us as to really why we follow Christ, but not only why we follow Him, but how I want to be more like Him. And these, these traits or these attributes of who God is, we could then begin to implement into our own lives as we go throughout our daily lives every single day. Because... As we go through this, I'm going to mention some of these things just in the introduction and then we'll get into this. But there are so many things that we could look at and talk about or preach about or teach about as we go through this. As we go and we're leading into the Christmas holiday and Thanksgiving being, is it next week? Thanksgiving next week? As Thanksgiving is coming up and We'll do all of the things with family and Christmas coming up. We'll read the Christmas story and we'll, we'll scream out, it's not Xmas, it's Christmas. And we'll have the Christ in Christmas. And we'll, we'll do all of these things that we do. And we'll be encouraging and, and people will come to church just because of the holiday and all of these things. As we look at these things, and I started to think of why in the world, what is one thing that I follow Christ for and I think of the Christmas story or the the birth of Christ and I think of who Christ was and I think of Christ being in heaven holy perfect righteous being worshiped and bowed down to being there with his father in complete perfection And then deciding to leave that for me. That's a mind-boggling thing to me. Because Christ is God. And I can't wrap my mind around the whole Trinity thing. I wish I could just give you the perfect example of all of that. I just can't. But Christ is God. And Christ, as he was in heaven, decided for you and for me that he would come, be born of a virgin, come and leave all of that behind to be obedient to his Father. And as we look at all these different things, 
of why Christ came, of why people followed him. And I'm just going to fly through this. Nathan, don't worry about the screens for just a moment. But I'm going to fly through some of these things. Thinking of Christ, that he came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law in Matthew 5. In Luke 19, he came to seek and to save that which was lost. In Mark, 12, or Mark 10, he says he came to serve. In Matthew 20, he came to give his life as a ransom. In John 10, 10, he came that we would have life and have it more abundantly. He came to bear our sins in First Peter. In Hebrews it says that having been offered once to bear the sins of many, He came to put away sin. He has been manifested to put away sin by the sacrifice of Himself in Hebrews 9. He appeared in order to take away sins in 1 John chapter 3. John 1, 29, Behold the Lamb of God who comes and takes away the sin of the world. In John 18, He came to bear witness of the truth. For this I have come into the world to testify of the truth. And Christ came for so many different things. He came to do the will of His Father. He said it a number of times throughout His time on earth, Not my will, but thine be done. All of this to leave glory, to leave perfection, to leave the angels, the the praising and the worship of And the perfection that he had in heaven. And this morning I'm going to talk about the one attribute to me that I could not get out of my mind for the last two or three weeks as I was trying to to study and think through how I'm going to put this series together. And the one thing that just would not leave my mind is the humility of Christ. The humility of Christ to leave all of that. I don't understand how he could leave any of that period But the fact that he left it to be born of a a virgin, to be born and to be laid into a feeding trough, into a manger. And what our mangers are, or our feeding troughs and our barns that we would talk about today, that would be considered glorious to those folks back in those days. Their barn was in the side of a mountain. The feeding trough was literally just either a rock or a piece of concrete that was just kind of put together. Nothing near or close to what we would have today. But he came then at that time. Why would Jesus have came during that time in history? Why would he not have came now? Born into an incredible palace somewhere. With running water. With a doctor or a nurse to be able to to welcome him in. Now he was born to Mary. And Mary and Joseph were going around trying to find a place to lay Jesus, the baby Jesus that's about to be born. And where do they find a place but a feeding trough in a barn somewhere? The humility of Christ. And that's really just the the beginning as we talk about today the humility of Christ, if we would, if you'd go with me to Philippians chapter number 2, and we're going to read a few verses in Philippians chapter number 2, and we'll go throughout some different passages of Scripture this morning, but I'm going to base most everything this morning off of Philippians chapter number 2, and in, all re- in a lot of regard, this passage will kind of be the key to this whole series. This, to me, is one of my absolute favorite passages of Scripture. But in Philippians chapter number 2, if you'd go there with me, I'm going to read and we'll get into the points this morning. It says, If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves." Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. 
And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the day that you've given to us. And Lord, as we dive into this passage this morning, and I can't think... I can't say the words enough of my thankfulness that you sent your son who was willing to be obedient unto his father. God, I thank you for the humility of Christ that's given us an example to live our own lives. Father, I pray that you would meet with us today. I pray that your word would change lives today. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. So in Philippians chapter 2, we see basically really almost a, a brief story of, of the, the humility to me of Christ. He came as a man. He, he was in one accord with Christ and so on and so forth. It goes throughout this whole thing. But as we look at this, the very first point this morning is this. Jesus Christ put others first. In the first four verses of this chapter, Paul basically is coming out of chapter 1 and he's beginning to teach and he's talking and he's writing this out. Basically, there was, there was some infighting and some different things that Paul was kind of teaching the, the church at Philippi and he was kind of mentioning a lot of these different things. And he goes into this passage, If there be therefore any consolation in Christ... If any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy that you would be like-minded. And it goes on in three, let nothing be done through strife or vain glory. And it goes on in four, look not every man on his own things, but every man on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. He's teaching the, the church at Philippi and he's letting them know, hey, He goes through all of those things and he says, let this mind, let this mind, the mind of Christ, be that which consumes you in everything that you do. And he shares in that the mind of Christ. And as a part of that, the mind of Christ, as we look at humility, the first thing that it mentions really is that Jesus Christ made it his point to put other people in front of himself. Why did he come here? He wasn't thinking of him as he came here. Why did he go to the cross? He wasn't thinking of himself when he went to the cross. So many times in our Christian lives, so many times in our lives in general, we begin to to think of me before anything else. We're human beings, we're prideful, we're selfish individuals, And that's each and every one of us from me all the way down through. That's who we are. But as we look at Christ, that is not who Christ was. As we go through this, the the difference as we go through one and two, and as we look at this, he he mentions being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. He was talking of those people being Spiritually united. Here's what's exciting to me and why this to me is really perfect for where our church was. If you were here last week, I, I mentioned the goals. I mentioned the, the, the vision. I mentioned the mission of Oasis Baptist Church to be and to create passionate followers of Christ. I mentioned that we would be a family of, of believers growing in the Word of God daily and encouraging one another. And we went through the whole thing last week. And I'm thinking of all of those things as we are united together, the things that can take place. And as uh, Paul was teaching here, he was sharing with them the idea, the things that have to happen is that the, thing, the church would be united pressing forward. And then he's using Christ and thinking of the the idea that Christ was in such tune, such he was so united with his Father that he would even take it to the point of death 
and being obedient to his Father. Unity is something that comes from within. Uniformity is something that is pressure from without. And as people, as, as Paul was teaching them that they would be in, in fellowship, that they would have uh, the fellowship or the fulfill ye my joy, that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind, Paul was letting them know not that we would all be the same. It's not about making robots, but that our minds would be on Christ, that our minds would be focused on Him, and in that we are united moving forward, not Uniformed because we've told you to do these things. And here's why this is important. Because in all of those things, when we begin to set all of this in, in, in tune and we begin to set these things in motion, division naturally comes. Divisions and differences that we have and Paul is teaching them need to be fixed, need to be solved, need to be all of these things. But the division comes when there is selfishness and the cause of selfishness is pride. And Paul is teaching at this time to the church of Philippi and he's using Christ as this example. And he starts looking at, again, the humility of Christ. I'm just going to give you a couple quick definitions of, or I don't know if they'd be considered technical definitions, but men that have written different things on humility. Andrew Murray said, A humble person is not one who thinks meanly of himself. He simply does not think of himself. Another said, A humble person yields himself to Christ to be a servant to use what he is and has for the glory of God and for the good of others. Again, the key being others. And as we look at this whole chapter, chapter 2 of Philippians, others is the key. Paul tells the people there to have the mind of Christ, or literally the attitude that Christ exhibited. And if we think of that, the outlook of that, when our mind is that of Christ, our outlook determines our outcome. And if our outlook is selfish, then the actions will be divisive and destructive. If we are to be more like Christ, if we are to be passionate about Christ, then we are to have the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ is, it says in verse 5, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. This mind being the first verses of that chapter there, if we were to go backwards. And Jesus' attitude was that I cannot keep my privilege for myself. I must use my privilege for, the, for others. And to do this, I will gladly lay them aside and pay whatever price is necessary. Let me ask you this question this morning. Have you ever went to work with or for a boss who had nothing but one goal in mind, and that was to elevate himself and climb himself up the ladder? I think we all have. We've all went somewhere where the guy that was in front of us, maybe that we had to follow, he had one goal in mind. The higher I can get up the ladder, the better that it is for me. Well, here's the reality of that. I don't know how many of you would be dying for your boss when your boss could not care less whether it was you or somebody else that was working underneath of them. But I've also worked for people that I knew their main goal was to elevate me just as much as it is to elevate them. The reality in leadership, and maybe I'm wrong in this, but here's the reality of leadership. For me to be a better leader, I have to make the people behind me better leaders, and it elevates, we all kind of elevate together. And as I look at Christ and I think of these things, in leadership there's a lot of privilege that comes with different positions in leadership. But as I use my privilege to help you and to encourage you and to build you up, then it makes you better. And we all grow together better. As I use my privilege to make myself better, it makes everybody else hate my guts a little bit more. And so as we look at Christ, here we see Christ 
the one who had everything, comes to earth, his privileged beyond anything. He is God. He is walking the face of the earth as a human in human flesh. And here he is with all of the privilege of everything that he had. And he uses his privilege to give it to you and to me. I don't know in humility, I don't know in leadership, I don't know if there's any other thing that I could do, but here's what I do know. I will follow somebody that does everything they can to help me succeed because they genuinely care for me. Just like most of you in this room, if you go to work tomorrow and your boss has a genuine care for you and genuine care for your family and is trying everything that he can to make you the best employee that he can make you and to encourage you and to build you and to do all those things, you are going to give a whole lot more effort to that person than to the guy that's ahead of you that really could care less about you but wants to get one more rung up on the ladder. I look at Christ and I think of humility I look at Christ and I look at Luke chapter 2 and I think of the idea that Jesus Christ came and was born in a manger. That Jesus Christ came of a lowly girl, a virgin that was give birth. Jesus Christ came not thinking of himself, but thinking of others. Jesus didn't consider his equality with God as something selfish to be held on to. Jesus did not think of himself. He thought of others. And as we think of the thought this morning and we get into humility, we look at Christ and the first point this morning being that Christ had others first. The second point is we look at verse number 7, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. Jesus Christ came and in his humility pushed others first, but not only did he put others first, he emptied himself. The second point this morning is that, is that he emptied himself. What an amazing and an awesome thought Thinking of others and the abstract is insufficient. We must get down to the nitty gritty. A famous philosopher wrote glowing words about the education of children, but yet his own children were abandoned. When it came to practice, it was a little bit different. Again, that statement, thinking of others in the abstract is insufficient. We must get down to the nitty-gritty. How many times we say, oh, I feel so bad for that person, but yet have no desire to do anything for that person. I get there's things that we can and can't do, and I'm not saying that every time we think poor, oh, I wish something could happen for that guy, we have to. But so many times, just like that philosopher, he wrote words of education, but yet his own children were abandoned. And thinking of Christ in humility, there really isn't a whole lot more humbling than the thought of God coming to be in the fashion as a man, or it says in verse 7, in the form of a servant. I want to just kind of give a few bullets here of an idea or of a thought of, of things that Christ did, the steps that Christ took in His humility. He emptied himself, laying aside the independent use of his own attributes, attributes as God. He permanently became human in a sinless body. God didn't just come down and, I'm going to just kind of touch down and leave for the next day. He permanently, for 33 and a half years, lived as a human in a sinless body. He used that body to be a servant. He took that body to the cross and willingly died. He came, left heaven to earth, left glory for shame, left as a master to be a servant. He had life and he came to die. He emptied himself of everything that he was. 
Jesus didn't come to act as a servant. He wasn't playing a part in a drama. He was a servant. I think I have a problem with this, and maybe I'm the only one, but I can't, wrap my, I can't completely wrap my mind around the thought that God, Jesus Christ, walked as a servant. And here today, so many times, we, we try to put God in our little realm. And we try to make God more like us so that we can try to figure Him out. Let me help today. We can't fully figure God out. We can't do it. I can't wrap my mind around the fact that Jesus Christ as a man was completely perfect. No more than I can wrap my mind around the thought that God left heaven to come to walk with man. I can't figure it out. I can't think of the idea of God making himself of no reputation took upon him the form of a servant being made in the likeness of men. I've watched and seen some pretty incredible people that literally just I felt gave of themselves for people. does not even come close to compare that God would send His only Son and that Jesus would obey and be willing to come in obedience to literally give everything. That's humility. You know why I follow and I can follow and I can look to a Christ and to God and I can say this is that somebody that I can follow? Listen, here on this earth, if your boss were to walk up to you tomorrow and literally just empty himself and give everything to you and genuinely care and love you, you're going to go flips to make sure that you serve that man the best that you can. And here we have Jesus Christ, God, who has done all of those things. And so many times in my life and in your life, we go, well, I'm just not so sure. I'm just not so sure I can go that far. Here's a man that went so far as to die. He emptied himself to make himself just like you and like me. Humility. Follow the leader. I can follow that. I can look to that and I can follow. I can follow that. The next point is sacrifice. And I was almost getting ahead of myself. But sacrifice. In verse number 8 it says, And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. So if I look at humility and I'm thinking of humility and I'm thinking of why I can follow a leader or why I could follow somebody and we look an hour, we can take it to a human level and we can think, okay, I would be willing to follow a leader who is humble. I would be willing to follow a man who put others before himself. I would be willing to follow somebody that would be genuinely humble and empty himself so that I could be better. I would also genuinely follow somebody who would sacrifice on my behalf. I could do that. I have done that. I think of different times. I think through sports. I think through work. I think through a number of different things. I've had people that are leaders in front of me that have sacrificed, who have emptied themselves, who have put others first. And I'm thinking to myself, I can follow that kind of man. Well, if I could follow that kind of man, surely I could follow a God who is that. Not that kind, but is that. Surely I could get behind a man who would do in verse 8, being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of a cross. Surely I could think to myself, I could follow a leader like that. 
Surely I could give of myself. The thought of humility and being humble is such a tough thing for us, and I understand that. There's so many of us, myself included, that we like to think that we have the humble thing down. I'm a pretty humble person. I'm pretty humble. I'm pretty humble. I don't like to be in front of people. I don't like this and I don't like that. I'm pretty humble. I I like to think I'm pretty humble. And we, I think we, we put ourselves in that box far too often probably. Because when the sacrifice comes, I don't know how sacrificial I would be when it comes to being obedient unto death, even the death of a cross. I don't know how sacrificial it would be that I would be. But here's why Christ was able to do that. If we were to go back to verse number 5, it says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. What is that mind? That mind was, Fulfill ye my joy that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. Christ never did anything just out of emptiness, out of vainglory, out of pride, out of all of those things. But what he did was, in lowliness of mind, he let everybody else, let each esteem others better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man on the things of others. As we look at that and we think of those things, Why would Christ be obedient unto death, even the death of the cross? Because his mind was the mind of Christ. And he was genuinely being humble. As I think of last week, and I think of our church and where we're attempting to head and what we're attempting to see and what we're attempting to do and to to be more passionate followers of Christ and to, to allow those things to be That is to be who we are to be. I am to be a passionate follower of Christ and I'm to do everything that I can to bring others along and to teach them and to help them to become passionate followers of Christ. If that is the goal, which that is the mission statement of Oasis Baptist Church, if that is the goal, let me share with you this. It's not going to be easy. It will take sacrifice on all parts. For me to become more passionate after following or following after Christ, for me to be more passionate about that, it's going to take sacrifice. Now, granted, the sacrifice that we're talking isn't nearly the sacrifice that we just read about with Christ. But let me read a couple things of sacrifice. This Mr. Jowett, J.H. Jowett, says... Ministry that costs nothing accomplishes nothing. If there is to be any blessing, there must be some bleeding. The person with the submissive mind does not avoid sacrifice. He lives for the glory of God and the good of others. And if paying a price will honor Christ and help others, he he is willingly willing to do it. Sacrifice and service go together in harmony with humility. I am convicted over this question right here. What do you do in your Christian life that costs? When it comes to this ministry, to be and to create passionate followers, it's going to cost. For you and I to truly live a life of passion for Christ is going to cost. It may cost you time. It may cost you friends. It may cost you family. It may cost you a whole lot of things. But it's going to cost. As I look at the thought of sacrifice, that question, what do I do in my Christian life that costs? What is it? I would venture to say most all of the time, nothing. Most of the time, does not cost me much. I've been fortunate to be raised by Christian parents and to have Christian families. I've never been made fun of one time in my home for being a Christian. I've never been made fun of one time for being a pastor. 
I've been fortunate in that regard. I've been fortunate in so many different avenues and aspects of life. I know some of you have accepted Christ and your family left you. Your children no longer talk to you or speak to you. Or if they do, it's very vague, it's very short. Because they don't believe in the same God that you believe in. There's a cost in that. There's a cost. And as I look at this thought and as I think of this and I look at Christ and I think of humility and I think of why do I follow leaders? I will follow a leader who does something that sacrifices. And I will follow a man Jesus Christ, I will follow that. Why? Because he was willing to lay it all down. He emptied himself. He sacrificed everything. The ultimate cost was sacrificed. Why? Not because it elevated himself. Not because of anything of himself. But it was glorifying his Father. And he did it for what? For you and for me. Man, that's humbling. That's humbling to me to think that anybody, if one of you were to take your life and lay it down for me, I would be eternally grateful and I would feel that I would owe you and your family something for the rest of their their lives. Why do we stand in different times of the year, July 4th and the different times we just celebrated, different times of men and women who have served and given their lives and we become emotional, we'll put our hands, we'll say the pledges, we'll do those things, we become emotional because there's men and women who gave their lives so that we can have freedom in the United States of America. But yet we stand and we almost curse God, flip God off and say, you know what, I don't care, I want to live my life like this. But yet he gave the ultimate sacrifice that I could have life and have it more abundantly. Being humbled in humility, emptied himself and gave himself to the point of death. Not only death, but it says, it even goes further, the death of the cross. So as I look at this idea, as I look at so many different things and I look at sacrifice as we come to wrap this morning up, when love is the motive, sacrifice is never measured or mentioned. The person who constantly talk about his sacrifice doesn't have the submissive mind. I have never one time said I had to sacrifice to love that woman. I have never one time spoke of how much I have to sacrifice so that my kids can have the things that my children have. I have never one time sat down my my oldest daughter and said, Madison, let me just tell you, this is why dad goes to work. Madison, this is why dad does all that. I sacrifice so much. Me and your mother sacrificed so much when we brought you into this world. We've given up so many things so that you could be here. Do you understand that? No, I've never done that. Why? Because it's not sacrifice. It's love. It's care. It's all of those things. It just comes naturally. I would probably get a black eye if I looked at Mindy and said, Mindy, I just have to sacrifice so much. Why? Because it's not about that. If any of you have looked at your spouse and said how much you've had to sacrifice for them, you ought to have a black eye. Do we sacrifice? Sure. But it's not looked at as sacrifice. It's looked at as love. It's looked at, this is what I'm supposed to do. This is the man I'm supposed to be. This is what I'm... When it comes to Christ, let me just share with you. When I put my tithe in the offering plate, I don't go, God, you don't even understand how much I'm just sacrificing for you. When I come down here to do some of the things that I do, and I know some people, well, you're the pastor, you just do all those things. Let me share with you, there's some things I do, not because I'm the pastor of Oasis Baptist Church, because I genuinely like to do it. So many of you have said, Pastor, you don't need to mop the floors. You don't need to clean. Let me just tell you, I enjoy doing that. You're like, that's weird. Yes, it is, but I enjoy that. I'm able to do stuff and get my mind clear and just go to work and do certain things. 
That's not in my job description. I do it because I just, I enjoy doing it. I've never once looked at anybody and said, well, I sacrificed so much and blah, 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 blah. Why? Because I genuinely care about this place. I love you. I love God. I love what I'm able to do. And I'm not saying that. I know that sounded really arrogant. But I genuinely enjoy doing what I do. When I come to work, I don't look at it as a sacrifice. I love it. Now, there's times that it's not as fun as others, but we all have that. But what am I saying? Why we look at it as such a sacrifice, I wonder if God looked at it as sacrifice. I wonder if God looked at it as sacrifice. Man, look what I have to do. Now I have to go to the cross for these people. You know what? I think he did it. Just like I go to work and I try to provide for my family and I try to love on my kids and I've never once looked at them and said, kids, you better understand how much your dad sacrifices. No, I don't do it because I love them. And I think Christ emptied himself. I think Christ sacrificed himself, not out of anything, but just that thought, I just love when I think of the idea of sacrifice, when I think of the idea of follow the leader, I think I can follow somebody who wouldn't necessarily sacrifice, but who just loved me enough to give himself for me. Have you talked to a serviceman that said, I'm not a hero, I'm not, I, don't, I didn't sacrifice anything, I did this because this is what I, it was the right thing to do. Very few of them will say, yeah, oh yeah, I've sacrificed all of these things. Very few of them will say, look, I'm a hero. No, I did my job. I performed the duty that I was trained to do. I've talked to a lot of them. Why? Because that's what they're called to do. The last point is kind of the the wrap-up this morning. And it's just this, for the glory of God, in verses 9 through 11. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in the earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. As we bring this all to a close this morning and we look at these last couple verses and we start thinking of why Christ was here. It makes mention here in verse number 9, God also hath highly exalted him and gave him a name which is above every name. If we were to go throughout Scripture and you're starting to look, if you were to go home today and you started to look up the word humility or humbleness or whatever it is in your Bible, one of the things that you will find that is over and over and is constant, when it speaks of humility in Scripture, it doesn't just speak of humility, but it speaks of being humble, and then it speaks of being exalted. And so if we look, say, in Luke I think this is on the screen. If not, my fault, I apologize. But in Luke 14 and verse 11, For whosoever exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. If we were to go to 1 Peter chapter number 5, something in a similar mode there. Is it up there? 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse number 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may, what, exalt you in due time. And it's all throughout Scripture, the, when we look at humility and, and talking about being humble, that those that are humbled will one day be exalted. And Jesus Christ came, and he was humbled, and one day he was exalted. And one day, even further, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, and He will again be exalted on high. When we look at this, it says at the end of that passage of Scripture there, it says what? For the glory of God 
the Father. Why was Christ here? For the glory of His Father. Christ came, and I went through a number of those things. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. He did all of those things, but it underlying was He was obedient to His Father. When He was in the garden praying, Father, let this cup pass from me, but if not, if not, God, you would be honored, that you would be lifted up, that you would be glorified. What we would look at as sacrifice, Christ looked at as being obedient to his Father because of the love that he had for others as he emptied himself for each of us. What we look at as sacrifice so many times was Jesus Christ simply just loving because that's who he is. And this morning as I come to a close and as I wrap up, And we think of all of these different things. And I think of, can I follow the leader? Why do I follow Christ? It may not be the only reason I follow Christ. but Because Christ was humble. In his humility, he gave all. In his humility, he loved me. In his humility, he emptied himself. He came putting others before himself. Why can I follow him? I can follow Christ because of the humility of Christ. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Thank you for worshiping with us here at Oasis Online. If this message was an encouragement to you, would you send me an email and let me know at pastor at obclv.org. Before you go, go check us out at oasisbaptistchurch.org. And if we can be of any help to you or an encouragement to you, please let us know. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day.